This is the Boss Ass Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Marta Katanichu, just another woman on her journey to bossing up, so I'm taking you along for the ride. I'll be having juicy conversations with women and men who inspire me to boss up and put my money where my mouth is. I trust that they'll do the same for you. So without further ado, get comfortable, make yourself at home, but hold on tight. It's gonna be wild. On this episode of the Boss Ass Bitch Podcast, I get real about my own healing journey as I sit down with my life coach and one of my favorite humans, Natha Campanella. Natha uses intuitive guidance and astrology to help her clients come into a deeper connection with themselves. She's got a wealth of knowledge and wisdom that I can't wait to dive into. We discuss why it's important to get in tune with our body and how we can heal past trauma that is stopping us from living the life we dream of. We also talk about some of my favorite topics, including boundaries, relationships, and intuition. And of course, Natha reveals what she thinks of the word bitch. Hey, bitches. It's... <laughs> Hold on, I got the giggles. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Hey, bitches. Welcome to the Boss Ass Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Marta Katanichu, and I am on the line with a very special human being. I'm so excited for this conversation. I would call her a life coach. That's what she's been to me for the past two years, but she is so much more than that. She offers intuitive guidance through her gifts and through the lens of astrology. I can't wait to dive in to the wealth of knowledge that she has. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you in this context today. I know. You know, it's so funny because I want to have this conversation out of my own selfish desire to know more about you because <laughs> when we talk, it's just me freaking out about my life and you telling me to feel my feelings and that it's okay to do so. <laughs> um, so I'm just so excited to finally turn the tables on you and find out more about your journey. And also, I just want everyone to know about you because I think you're absolutely incredible. <laughs> Yay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to start with how we got connected. Um, I was reading an article of yours on Elephant Journal. And in that article, you were talking about how you were wanting to give up drinking or that you had given up drinking because it just wasn't serving you. And I really resonated with that because I was also using drinking and alcohol at the time to numb myself out. And so I got really inspired from that article. And then I went to your website and I found out what you do. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I just felt so connected to you and what you offered. And I was also at a point in my life where I felt so lost. I was experiencing a quarter life crisis. I had just been through a breakup. And also a good family friend died from cancer. And I felt so confused, like in a lot of pain. And I was stuck at my job. And so everything was in shambles, it felt like. Um, and when we got on our first, I was telling you about everything I was experiencing. And then you asked me this question that just threw, threw me off. You said, where do you feel that in your body? And I, that's when I realized that I was really disconnected from my body. Because the second that I thought about that question and tried to answer it, I just started shaking. Like, my whole body was shaking. And that's when I realized, like, hmm. I definitely have some work to do. <laughs> and here we are almost two years later, we've been working um, 
together and it's been such a cool experience I've learned so much about myself and also about the universe and about relationships and intuition and all that good stuff um and now I'm excited I want to ask you how you got started in this and what your journey has been like how you got into astrology how your own healing has has been what prompted you to start your own journey oh yeah that's that's um you know, I mean, I think taking it back to what you just said was this question about like, where do you, where, where do you feel something in your body? And I spent many, many years being really dissociated from my own physical body. I think that I, you know, being, being a very intuitive, naturally intuitive child and growing up in a household where the coping mechanism, the survival technique was to really tune into the emotions and the energy of the adults and then learn to meet those adults with what they needed in that moment. Um, you know, whether they, you know, if my mom, for example, was in a really bad mood, I would try to be happy and cheer her up. And I think a lot of us are like that. We try to perform in a way for the adults in our lives so that we avoid trouble or we don't have to feel, um, feel their emotions. And I think that a lot of us do that. And in the process of that, we, we almost have to dissociate from our own experience because we are tuning into the experience of other people. And then fast forward, we hit adulthood and, you know, we have situations where we might have an illness of our own that crops up, or we might watch other people like you had with your family member getting you know, a cancer of some sort and thinking, oh my God, I do not want that to be me. And I had the same thing, you know, I, I finally sort of tuned into my experience and realized that I was an incredibly nervous, anxious person and that it was beginning to really take a toll on my health and really started this journey of trying to understand myself and during that journey is when I realized that I could also understand other people really well. <laughs> and that was sort of what made me decide that I wanted to, you know, make a career out of it. But, you know, really the, the biggest tool for me in helping other people is a continual coming back into my own experience and my own body and understanding what's happening. And then I can take that and sort of use those tools with the people that I work with. Hmm. And how did you get into astrology? Um, well, my first astrology reading with a professional astrologer, like kind of blew my mind because she was so validating and she was able to tell me things about who I was that I had never been able to see before, but that sort of tied everything together and also made me really understand that a lot of my life experiences didn't happen because I was a bad person or because I was, um, you know, do, making wrong decisions and whatnot. It was just simply part of the journey that I was here to complete. And so I love that. And I was like, oh, I want to know more. And I've always loved big like personality mapping systems like the Enneagram and, you know, all, all of these like Myers-Briggs and all of these. But astrology just was so fascinating to me. And just, you know, 
like I felt like it was going to add to my toolbox of being able to work with people and also help me understand myself, which I will selfishly say is one of my favorite things to do. I, you know, it's like we all have so many blind spots, even though we spend basically 100% of the time with ourselves. We just don't really know ourselves all that well. Right. I'm curious, how did you start to build your toolbox? Well, it's, it's been a many year process. I think when I was 18 and I moved out of my parents' house, one of the first things I did was seek therapy. And it's been this sort of ongoing thing where I've, I I think working with other people has been really, really beneficial. I've worked with other people since basically since I was 18, different therapists and counselors and coaches and uh, teachers and whatnot. So I've really learned a lot along the way. Um, I think, you know, I spent about six years doing some sort of um, psychological, spiritual work in a school called um, the Ridwan School. And I think that was where I got my, the biggest amount of tools, which really related to checking in with the physical body and using that as a gateway for information about what's really happening. You know, our minds just have so many stories to tell, but I think our bodies can tell us what's really happening. Yeah, that's why I love looking at all of this as a journey, because once I started doing that, it opened me up to seeking, you know, resources and help from other people or from books or from retreats or like you said, programs where you you get to learn this stuff and add all of this into your toolbox. So not only you can help yourself, but help other people. Yeah, yeah, it's really imperative. And especially right now. I think culturally we are, there's very much a shift into doing the self-actualization work where we're, where we're really trying to get to understand ourselves and heal ourselves. And it's really important that you are gathering tools. You're not just pulling the tools out of your own mind. And I see that a lot with people that are beginning as they are pulling stuff from their own mind that makes sense to them, but it's it's just not as inclusive as it could be when you begin to seek information and teachings from outside of yourself. Right. I definitely experienced that when I started working with you because I had so much resistance to going and asking for for help or going outside of myself because I had this pride in me that said, whatever I'm going through, I can get through it myself, you know? Yeah. Um, And so much opened up once I actually started to seek help and talk to you it's just incredible how much faster you can heal when you have that support system and a professional to help you, someone who's already been through it. Yeah, definitely. And it's different than, than talking with friends, right? Because with friends, you have to, you, technically, you have to open up half of the conversation to letting them talk about themselves, which is great, <laughs> except that <laughs> it's like... It's kind of like if you're just talking to someone that you're paying, like, okay, we're, I'm, t- I'm paying you to talk about me, then it's such a fast track because <laughs> it's just... Oh, my God. Yeah. I totally... One of the weirdest things about us starting off working together was me being the only one person talking. I felt so much um, discomfort in that. I kept wanting to ask you questions because I was like, I'm talking too much. I feel bad for her. But then I'm like, well, 
technically she's getting paid so it's not bad yeah no I mean that's that's one thing that is really cool about working with a professional is that we do tend to deflect when we hit something uncomfortable um, it's very easy to sort of deflect it by asking the other person in conversation a question but um, mm. you know it's in that deflection that we sort of lose touch with ourselves oh my gosh that is so true because there's been a lot of times where I've come up against a possible potential breakthrough and usually with a friend or with anyone else I'm talking to I just let it go or change the subject but you are there to guide me through it and pull me through and even push me through sometimes because <laughs> I don't want to go there I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's not do this right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the fun things about my job is that I get to sort of push. <laughs> <laughs> push people off the cliff <laughs> of their spiritual journey. Yeah. But in a nice way, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're pretty nice about it. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you help your clients with most? What do people come to you for? Is it relationships, boundaries, self-care? I think that's a really good question. And I think that as with anybody that calls themselves a healer or a teacher or a guide or a coach, that we tend to attract clients that are dealing with the same things that we ourselves deal with and have had to learn. And so definitely boundaries. I, I do a lot of boundary work with people. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing, boundaries and working with um, really sort of coming into connection with the truth of what's happening and then, you know, looking at the physical body. So these are all things that I've really had to learn and that, to be honest, like I'm still learning. I'm still learning a lot about how to have appropriate boundaries. How do you define boundaries? Um, so I think that there are many definitions of boundaries. In this case, you know, we, those of us that are, um, those of us that have been conditioned to be nice, to put the needs of others before our own needs, um, peace keep, and to really say yes, even if what we want to say is no, or vice versa. Those are the kind of boundaries that I tend to work with clients with. And the way that we can tell whether we're, um, whether we're crossing our own boundaries a lot is that it does tend to manifest in physical pain eventually. And so, um, you know, it's like the smaller we make ourselves, the more we please other people at our own expense, the, I want to say like less healthy we become in many ways. And so what I try to teach people is how to really check in with what they really want, what's, what the boundary really is. And then once they realize what their boundary is, then the work can start around you know, how do I keep that boundary? How do I hold it? Mm -hmm. You and I have done a lot of boundary work. And in the beginning, when you read me my birth chart, you did say that according to my astrology, um, I have very porous boundaries, which basically means I have no boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And that's only because I haven't really been in tune with them. And part of our work together has been to become more aware of what my boundaries are. And I've really had to work against this idea in my head that boundaries hurt other people. Like if I put up a boundary, that means someone else is going to get hurt. Can you talk a little bit about that and how we can get over that hump? Yeah, that's, that is something I think that plagues most of us. I think especially women. And I think it starts with our relationship with our mom, because we really aren't, as children, we're not really allowed to have boundaries. We're supposed to sort of do what the adults say, and and we want to please our moms. And so then we grow up, and we want to continue to please. And so we do things, even if we don't want to do them. And, you know, sometimes it's life. Sometimes you do have to do things that you don't want to do, but when you are chronically doing things that you don't want to do and, you know, you're putting a smile on your face when you're not feeling happy and you're showing up to dinners that you don't have the time, then you start to get resentful. And I think it's that resentment that's really the the primary thing that's hard for us to hold. And so, you know, that's, that is what establishing appropriate boundaries helps with, is that even if you have to give a boundary that makes the people around you upset and angry. Um, There is a real, you know, as long as you can tolerate those few moments of discomfort of saying no, it is so much healthier than having to deal with the knot of resentment that kind of stays with you when you say yes. Does that make sense that I say that in a, in an intelligible way? Okay. Totally. Because that's what I've experienced. It's kind of like when you don't put up your boundaries, Um, when you need to it's just you're delaying and you're prolonging the pain for both people because like you said the resentment adds up and then there's going to be some one day an explosion and it's going to hurt both people more than it would have if you had put up that boundary when it was the time to yes exactly and you know Brene Brown has some great work around this very thing Um, and so anybody listening can check out her work as well. She says it in some very succinct ways, but you're right. It's like you're doing the work on the front end instead of doing the work on the back end. When you just Mm -hmm. really check in with your body, figure out what it is that you would like to say or do, and then move forward with that. It's going to bring up some discomfort, but 90 seconds of discomfort is much better than a lifetime of resentment. Totally. And I want to talk about intuition because that's been a big theme in the work that we have done together. And I'm just curious how you define intuition. I think intuition is the knowing of, you know, really what we know to be true. And that's another thing where checking in with your body is where the intuition can be found. We get very mixed up around intuition because we're Uh, when we're seeking it from our mind, because our mind tells us stories and our mind really generates information that is fairly useless. But checking in with your body and really paying attention to what, what the messaging is from there, you'll know. You'll know if something feels really tight that the answer is probably no. And you'll know if something feels very exciting and juicy that the answer is yes. Hmm. Yeah, feeling your feelings is um, 
it's really great, but it's a lot tougher than you may think for, especially for people who have learned to numb themselves out. Do you have any sort of advice for people who do feel like they've numbed all their feelings out? Where can they start to get in tune with their body? Yeah, um, it is. It's not easy to check in with your body. The tendency is always to jump back up out of the mind. Um, but it is because it's very painful. That's when I, we first started working together. My body was just shaking every time that we would talk. And now it doesn't anymore because I'm just I've done the work enough that I'm not afraid to go there and my body's sort of used to it. But it can yeah. be scary. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we first started working together, you even had a hard time like closing your eyes for longer than a few seconds. <laughs> You were like, nope, nope. <laughs> I got to see what's going on around me. <laughs> Nada, where are you taking me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the, I think like beginning body, body 101 um, is, you know, you can practice just closing your eyes and taking some deep breaths into your solar plexus or into your stomach and just noticing what that feels like noticing the simple um, feeling of the air going in and the air coming back out. And And if that doesn't sound scary enough, another thing that Nessa does is she (laughs) likes to ask you to tune into that discomfort and tension wherever you feel it in your body. And then think about the first time you ever experienced that that sensation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's body like 104. But... (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, that's another thing that is to tune into where you feel discomfort in your body, whether it is, you know, um, achy neck and shoulders, or it's like a pit in your stomach, it could be anything, but to check in with that and stay with the discomfort. And that is definitely uh, easier said than done, but the information that you can get (laughs) from being willing to stay with the discomfort instead of deflect and avoid and not deal with it is really profound. And in my opinion is where the work is done. Yeah. It's like going back to the source. Where was, where did this feeling first come up for me and how much have I ignored it for the past few years? Uh huh. That's yeah. definitely the work, but I've personally gained so much insight by going there and remembering things that I never even think about anymore but then realizing how much that moment in my childhood affected the way that I've you know lived my life up until now yeah it's like we have these experiences when we're children that kind of crystallize inside of us and set the stage for you know everything moving forward from that point. But unless we take the time and have the courage really to go in and recall those memories, it's hard to fully heal them. But once you realize like, oh, you know, I had this experience where my grandma yelled at me and wow, I'm still kind of feeling that intensity as I, you know, every time somebody says something critical to me, there's my grandma again yelling at me. Um, um, and you like start to put the pieces together and the puzzle begins to become clear and there's just more freedom, right? 
Yeah, it's so interesting to me because the way I think about it now, it's like you have a traumatic moment and then your mind creates a story around that traumatic moment and then it carries that story over the years and it makes sense of life and through the lens of that story from that moment. Yes. And the, the you know, <laughs> the hard thing about it is that we are relating to those moments as if we're still children that don't have the context to understand what was really happening. But if you go back as an adult, like you and I have done before, you go back as an adult and you see the situation with fresh eyes, you realize that it wasn't, um, it, it, it changes the context and therefore it sort of provides the avenue for you to, ah, I see what that is. I, I know what it was and it wasn't what I thought and now I can move on. Right. And not only move on, but also rise above it, because there's this um, feeling where you when you finally heal that moment of time and you come to peace with it, you're no longer going to be repeating the same experience throughout your life because you're just done with it. Yeah, exactly. Because trauma does repeat um, until you it, it wants to be seen which is why we can all look back at relationships that we've had and see the common thread. You know, why do I keep meeting the same kind of men? Why do I keep um, having these same kind of arguments with my mom? Like we, we are repetitive creatures. And when it comes to the trauma, if something keeps repeating, it's because it wants your attention. It wants to be understood and so that you can move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving on is great. So this is a perfect segue because I want to talk about relationships. How do you define relationships? Ah, you know, I mean, God, relationships, so many. We are all in relationship constantly with other people, with the world, with our own minds and our own inner critic. And, you know, our relationships all tend to have common themes that are common to us. So if you find that you have a very critical uh, relationship with yourself, you will probably pull in people that are either critical of you or people that you are critical of. And the idea is to try to come, you know, try to see it for what it is so that you can work it. Hmm. Um, I'm curious about this. How do you know because all relationships are work, right? Do you believe that? That all relationships are work? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all relationships are, you know, work in the sense that they are a journey to, mm-hmm. to be on. You know, what some relationships are obviously easy, but, but they all do require work of some sort for sure. Yeah, because my question is, how do you know that you're doing the work with somebody and you're having a, you know, a normal, healthy relationship um, versus having a relationship that you need to let go of, even though you you might be doing the work, it might be getting a little too painful or how do you know when it's too painful to keep working? (laughs) I guess it depends on your pain tolerance. Um. I I honestly think that we know when a relationship is done. There is a knowingness. Sometimes it takes us some time to extricate ourselves from it. But um, 
there's also a real beauty in sort of working with your partner. If your partner is not willing to meet you, your partner is not willing to do the same kind of work with you are that, that you're willing to do, then that's a sign that maybe it, it's not a match anymore. But I, I would never use um, sort of arguing or um, disagreeing as a barometer for whether a relationship is working or not. I think the barometer comes around, do you feel like you're able to, are, are you growing in the relationship? Even if you're arguing, are you learning stuff about yourself? Are you willing to take personal responsibility for the things that are going wrong? And is your partner willing to take personal responsibility? Mm. And if, you know, I think that if that's not there, then, you know, it's probably not the relationship for you at this point any, any longer. Hmm. Um, what are some of the ways that we can improve our communication in relationships? Or maybe just romantic relationships, since I'm thinking about now. Yeah. You know, I, I really think that there's some self-honesty that needs to happen. Often we find ourselves in relationships where we're blaming the partner for our discomfort. And, you know, we're saying, if only you would change and if only you would do this different. Um, and that is, that might be true. They might have some changing to do, but the impetus is always on us. And if we feel like we have, you know, if we're, if we're like seriously looking at our own baggage and our own shadow and, and we're able to say, you know, I am, oh, I am totally shut down and I am totally repressed on this matter and I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to feel it. You know, if we can get to that point ourselves, that is really fertile ground for a relationship. Much more fertile than saying, you know, you, you, blah, blah, blah. This is all about you. You need to change. Right. Or pushing the other person away. Mm -hmm. It's more about inviting them to the truth of who you are in that moment and what you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And taking responsibility for, um, you know, to use an example from my own relationship, I, I know that one of my ways that I self-protect is to sort of go in and distance and so rather than blame it on my husband and say, you know, you're just so needy, like, just leave me alone. I can't deal with all of your neediness. Like, I seriously have to look at my part, which is that I tend to withdraw, <laughs> you know, that, that's how I self-protect. And in my past relationships, I would have definitely been like, oh, this is all your fault. But I know that it's like, <laughs> okay, I know I have a huge part in this. <laughs> Before I was like, okay, bye. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, this isn't working for me anymore. Bye. <laughs> I go, God. <laughs> so what are you doing now to combat that, that sort of instinct you have to run away? Oh, I am, you know, I've been trying to understand it is really what I've been doing over these past few years. And, and I, of course, have pulled in a partner. I think that we do, we pull in partners that totally mirror the things that are the hardest for us. So of course I have a husband who is um, 
wants more of me, always more of me than I'm, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 you can't have more. But it's been really interesting because I have seen how my upbringing, having parents that I felt like always wanted more from me, how my tendency is to try to withdraw so that I don't get sucked dry. And so being in my relationship with my husband has really given me insight into that. And I feel like I've been able to grow so much (laughs) as a person. (laughs) That's beautiful. Hmm. This just got me thinking about self-care because um, I think that when it comes to feeling depleted or drained, we need self-care in our lives. And that's something that you've also taught me. Um, And I'm curious what you feel about that and what's your favorite way to self-care? Yeah, self-care is is really good. And I think self-care actually includes um, stuff like boundary work and making sure that you are not overextending yourself. And I think for me, self-care looks like going within and really coming into uh, contact with what's going on for me. I know when I find myself getting really stressed out and hyperactive and nervous that it's because I haven't spent any time with myself just sort of checking in. So we can say self-care is, you know, external things like taking bubble baths and, you know, taking walks outside in nature. And and that is self-care. But I think the biggest and most profound version of self-care is doing those self check-ins, you know, getting quiet and saying, what is happening right now with me? What's going on? Yeah. I realized that self-care does sound really nice and fluffy at first, but when I realized what it really entailed, which was not a bubble bath, (laughs) which was actually sitting with my feelings and maybe crying my eyes out for, for an hour or two, going to sleep with my toilet paper roll you know <laughs> that's self-care now to me which sucks but it's, it's got to be done because you I do feel better afterwards yeah yeah it's giving it's giving ourselves the attention that you know maybe we maybe what we're really looking for from our moms from our partners from you know our our sense of connection so many of us just want to feel connected and we don't but when we can connect in with ourselves and see what's there, you know, that is true self-care. So let's talk about female empowerment. Who is the divine feminine and what does it mean to embody the divine feminine archetype? Oh, you know, there's so much talk about divine feminine these days. (laughs) I think that it's, you know, I do think that women are coming into more of a sense of power Um, and I think that it is like a, just a connecting in with what makes us feminine, you know, the receptivity, the qualities that, that, that we have our very power. So I think that when, you know, if we're talking about how do I, how do I check in with my own sense of, of being divine and being feminine, it's, you know, looking at the places, where are you the most powerful? What are your skills? What are your gifts? Um, so I don't know. I mean, what comes to your mind when when I say what are your what are your divine feminine skills and gifts, Marta? <laughs> well, I know that I'm very empathetic. Um, I can see the potential in people, and um, ah, you're putting me on the spot. 
<laughs> this was supposed to be about you, Nessa. <laughs> um, I think lately I've come to an understanding that my divine femininity is my ability to feel and to see the world differently from any, everyone else and to try to uphold that and make that into a reality. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And I think that, you know, for me, it's it's very similar. It's that the gift of being able to tune in and see what's not on the surface and what's not obvious. And women, you know, and, you know, men, it's, it's fair to say that men have access to the divine feminine as well as women do with the divine masculine. But there is a, like a slowing down and a checking in with what's, what's really happening. Like you said, empathy, that is all of our birthright. And I think many, many more of us are being able to do that now than ever before. Yeah. I'm getting this. Um, what's coming up for me is I'm thinking that before I was in touch with my divine femininity, I would think that the world was happening to me or in a way at me, like life was just happening at me and I was just trying to dodge everything that was <laughs> coming for me. Um, but now I'm more like, uh, I have this understanding that I'm, I'm the one happening with life and I'm happening to life. And there's a sense of empowerment in that, like I can change the world and make it what I want it to be for myself and the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like sort of, Really, it's like as simple as a perspective change. Um, but even in that little perspective change, there's so much magic. But you really have to be able to be present with what's happening and really know yourself and not be, you know, when you're relating to the world from, from your head, that is when we start to feel like everything should be different and we need to change and all this stuff. And then as we begin to drop down into our body, where we can change our perspectives more easily and really tune in with our power. Mm. What do you think um, an empowered woman is? Or even a human being, let's say a human being who's whole. What do you think whole means? Wholeness. Wholeness. Hmm. Oh, you know, I think that, I think that being empowered and being whole is something that we touch in and out of all the time, but it's not a place that we all land and stay. And, and that that is part of what we're constantly working on in these lives is coming to a place where we feel empowered. And that means that we understand ourselves. We aren't taking things totally personally. We aren't being totally reactive. We're in a place of, of surrender where we understand that it just, everything that's happening is just what's happening and everything is fluid. And I don't really know if that's answering your question or not, but. I mean, I really don't care because you just gave me the goosebumps that was amazing. <laughs> Speaking of getting into your body, <laughs> I love that answer. So beautiful. 
Uh, so this is since this is the Bosses Bitch podcast, I'm curious about your relationship to the word bitch. How that has shown up throughout your life? Has it changed its meaning? Do you use it in your daily life? And what do you think the future might be for the word? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't have any sort of negative relationship with the word bitch. Um, I know that it, it can be used like any word with there, there are so many meanings to it. And in fact, it's one of those words that, I mean, you can, it's like, fuck, right. It's like, Oh my God, how could I ever take that out of my vocabulary? Because (laughs) there's just so many perfect things that you can't, that there's not another word for it. But I think that, um, you know, I think bitch in a way is sort of empowering. It's almost this sense of like, yeah, you're right. I am a bitch. And that, you know, if that's what standing up for myself means, and if that's what speaking my truth means, and if that's just what sort of being a strong female means, then I will totally own it and take it. And um, it's sort of like one of those words I've never, I've never found offensive. If anything, it's sort of like a, yeah, fine. You're right. I am. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I love that you brought up the word fuck because lately I've realized that I say it often and I've thought to myself that maybe I need to work on changing that because I should be more of a lady. But now you just inspired me to not do that. (laughs) I think fuck is like one of the premier words of the English language. (laughs) Because you can use it in so many contexts. And yeah, I don't find any issue with saying that word. And, you know, I have two girls and I've never had any problem with them using that word either. It's like there's nothing that's more descriptive than that word. <laughs> Obviously, there's certain certain um, realms that you might not want to use that word in, but that's just old conditioning. (laughs) But I have no plans of dropping that word out of my vocabulary either. I don't think you need to either. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that. And this actually reminds me that there's a meditation on YouTube called Fuck It. And it's just (laughs) 20 minutes of a, a woman with like a really smooth voice constantly saying, just let it go. Fuck it. Fuck it all. And it's such relaxing meditation I've definitely used it more times than I want to admit (laughs) that's awesome I have to check that out yeah oh my gosh thank you so much Nessa I had the best time speaking with you and finding out more about you now I want to um, let everyone know where they can get in contact with you what you're offering and um, how we can find you Yeah, definitely. So I do astrology and I do life coaching and usually I'm doing a mix of both. And if you are interested in finding out more about that, you can find me on my website at nathacampanella.com. And my name is spelled N-A-T-H-A. And um, I'm on Instagram at nathacampanellaastrology. And I write a lot of articles um, a lot of stuff. You can find a lot of just free content on my website. If you're wanting to know more about boundary work, you're wanting to know more about astrology and how it relates to emotions. There's, there's a lot of stuff. So definitely yeah. check it out. 
yeah, I highly recommend everyone checking out her website. And even if you Google her name, uh, I'm sure that a bunch of articles will come up that I've loved reading over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do have so much good stuff out there. <laughs> well, thanks. It's sort of my art form is to write and um and don't you make jewelry? Oh my God, jewelry. I cannot say that word. <laughs> I had a jewelry design company for many years, but then mm -hmm. I, um, I stopped making jewelry and metalsmithing and sort of replaced it with writing. So writing is now my creative outlet. Wordsmithing. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, exactly. From silversmithing to wordsmithing. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm curious, one more question. Um, where do you, what does your name mean and where is it from? Because I've never heard it before. You're the first person I've met. Yeah. So my NASA. parents, my parents were hippies in the 1970s. <laughs> and so they were following a Sufi um, and they heard my name in a chant. And it's a, from, from what I understand, it's a Sanskrit word and it means protector and I have always, I never liked my name. I always felt like, like the weirdo. And plus I have red hair and I was always really tall. So I was like the tall redheaded weirdo girl with the name. But now that I am older, I really like it. And my mom, my middle name is Elizabeth. So my mom always said, you know, we gave you that name. So if you ever wanted to change it, but I never did. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you can't, you've come to terms with it because it's really beautiful. Thank you. Woo! I think we're done here. What Yay! <laughs> Thanks, Marta. Yay, thank you so much, Nasa. I'm so excited to get this out. And you have just so much to offer and so much to talk about and so much knowledge. So oh, cool. I'm really grateful and honored that you wanted to do this. Well, thank you. I'm honored as well. Yay! Thank you for listening. If you are on a healing journey of your own, I highly recommend getting in touch with NASA as she has been a tremendous resource for me and mine. And I just want to reiterate that there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help and support, whether it's a therapist or a life coach or any type of healer that you feel comfortable with. You are always worth taking the steps to heal. And remember, we are all on our own separate journeys. Everything is a process. Be kind to yourself. All right, people, that's a wrap. You've been listening to the Boss Ass Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Marta Katanichu. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at MartyPants. That's M-A-R-T-Y-P-A-N-T-T-S. That's two T's in the pants, Marty Pants. Or you can find me on my writing account, which is Write Shit Down. Pretty plain and simple. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would like to ask you to leave me a review. Not only will I love you forever, but I just might read it on the next episode. Thank you.